You're listening to the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast with your host, Letitia Ringe, and this is episode number 13. Hello, beautiful people, and welcome to the Create a Life That Is Beautiful podcast. This is episode number 13, and I'm your host, Letitia Rinch, and this podcast is designed to inspire, empower, and support you on the journey of uncovering your truth and purpose in the world. So everyone, once a month, I do a solo episode to talk about another aspect to discovering and showing up for purpose and truth. For those who are new here, the create a life that is beautiful philosophy when it comes to finding our purpose is that our purpose is forever evolving and expanding and that simply by following what we love, enjoy and are inspired by, that is what leads us to discovering our purpose. So today we're going to talk about a very, very, very important topic. It is one of the most important topics when it comes to achieving anything in your life. It's the most important topic when it comes to getting the most out of your life. It's the most important topic when it comes to your general satisfaction and enjoyment of your life. And that topic that we are talking about today is mindset. And in particular, mindset as it relates to a very, very common phenomena known as the upper limit problem, which is a term coined by Gay Hendricks in his book, The Big Leap. Now, this topic might not seem as sexy as some of the other topics we've discussed so far, but it really is so important. And If you are struggling in any way with health, happiness, fulfillment, discovering and showing up for your purpose, or really just about anything, then mindset is something you need to get familiar with. So first, let's talk about mindset generally, why it's important, and some examples of how it impacts your life in discovering and showing up for your purpose, as well as some real-life examples. So mindset is the number one thing I concentrate on in my own personal life, in my business, and in all of my coaching work with my clients. With every single client I work with, Every issue that someone is dealing with, it all comes back to mindset. So mindset underpins everything that I do. If I had to categorize myself in one aspect of a a niche in terms of life coaching, it would be mindset. And that underpins everything. So what is mindset? There are many different definitions of mindset, including your beliefs, personality, state of mind. But the way that I like to define mindset is to keep it very simple. And so I think of mindset as simply the way we think. You've probably heard the saying, the mind is everything, what you think you become. That's by our man Buddha. We have somewhere in the vicinity of 50,000 thoughts per day, which is approximately 35 per minute. And many of those thoughts we have 
are happening automatically. They are thoughts we have probably been thinking for most of our life. And what we do is create thought loops. So this is when we have a thought and then that thought produces a feeling or an emotion. For example, on a day-to-day basis, I might have the thought, did I forget something? This thought then creates a feeling or emotion in me, which might be, for instance, anxiety. I might experience the physical symptoms of anxiety, heart beating fast, feelings ill in my stomach, sweating, generally feeling a little nauseous. However, anxiety manifests physically in my body for me. This feeling might then, or these physical sensations, might then lead to another thought, such as, I'm always forgetting, which could then lead me to, why can't I just remember? And then, I'm just not good enough. Each thought producing an emotion or giving more momentum to the emotion that we are already experiencing. This is known as a thought spiral. One thought leads to a series of other thoughts and all of this is happening before you even become aware of the thoughts because they are happening so frequently and so often automatically on repeat. So when we have predominantly negative thoughts, and what I mean by negative is a thought that produces a negative feeling, so something that makes you feel bad, it makes sense then that when we respond to these thoughts through action, we take action from a place of fear or scarcity. We want to feel better or we validate the thoughts and emotions we are having by taking actions that confirm to us the thought we end up on in the thought spiral, like I'm not good enough. So we don't take the action we originally wanted to take and instead we might engage in some buffering behavior like drinking too much or overeating or emotional eating or watching TV, something to make us feel better. Or we might then go and take actions that confirm the thoughts and emotions we're experiencing. For instance, I'm not good enough which is making me feel bad. So maybe I'll go and pick a fight with one of my friends or my partner, or maybe I'll just sit there and analyze, overanalyze everything that I've ever done wrong. And so I then perpetuate or bring more momentum into that emotion. So when we think about examples like this, we can see how the thoughts we are having might be creating our experience. But I also want to point out that while we might be aware of all of these thoughts we're having on a negative level, and also you cannot be aware of those as well, but even, but if we're aware of these, we're also having so many other thoughts per day where we don't know where they're coming from, and they could also be positive or neutral thoughts. So I think when we talk about the phrase, we are what we think about, we need to think about it more so as we are the thoughts that we tune into. Let me talk a bit about neutral and positive thoughts. So as opposed to negative thoughts. So neutral or positive thoughts are thoughts that create a neutral or positive emotion. So Something that doesn't make you feel bad, doesn't make you feel good, that's neutral. 
or something that leaves you feeling good, that's positive. So when we have a positive thought, we feel good and then we take action from that good feeling place. And we like to talk about that good feeling place being a place of abundance or love. We've got a higher perspective. We're supporting ourselves to take the action that will support the way we are feeling and the thoughts we are having. On the other hand, neutral thoughts are going to also not support us as much as positive thoughts will, but they're not going to create the momentum and into a negative thought spiral. So neutral thoughts when positive thoughts seem really unrealistic or just too far away from our current reality are also a really great option so that we're not causing the downward spiral. So if we have 50,000 thoughts happening per day, how can we really be responding to all of them? Are we even conscious of all of them? It seems pretty impossible, doesn't it? The thoughts we respond to, in my opinion, are most likely the ones we're used to repeating over and over because we know these thoughts, they're familiar. And if you look at it from a law of attraction perspective or from a neuroscience perspective, our brain is processing so like billions of bits of information per day but can only we can only ever be aware of a very small amount of those. So it makes sense that the thoughts that we are most likely tuning into or aware of, giving our attention to and responding to are the ones that we're used to thinking. And so these are our they're all they're on automatic. These are the ones we're most familiar with. And so this is why we hear these sayings that we are our thoughts, but really, and what I really want to stress is we're not actually our thoughts. How can we be when we have so many each day? The thoughts that drop in are also coming from a whole bunch of places outside of you. The collective consciousness, people around you, they can be passed down through our family. They're automatic. And so I really, really want you to just please, if there's anything you take away from this, to understand that while, yes, your thoughts do create your reality, your thoughts aren't you. What matters is the thoughts you're choosing to respond to, which is why meditation is so helpful. The point isn't to stop thinking. That's not going to (laughs) happen. It's to become aware of your thoughts so that you can then separate yourself from them so that you can recognize that you are not your thoughts, but you do get to choose which thoughts you tune into. It just requires a little bit of awareness or okay, a lot. So this separation allows you to consciously choose which thoughts you respond to through action and create new thought patterns that support and uplift you. So although, yes, we do become our thoughts, I would like to amend that and say we become the thoughts we respond to. We are not our thoughts because our thoughts are not ours and we always have a choice. It just takes a little bit of conscious effort because we have to break the cycle that's on repeat. To change the thoughts we respond to, the first step is to become aware of those thoughts. These are the thoughts you are most likely operating from. So take an inventory. Notice the thoughts you're having. 
Do an experiment today. For the rest of the day, every single time you become aware of yourself having a thought, write it down. And then I want you to do something, which is a process I learned through Byron Katie and her book, Loving What Is. And I've also got an article on this as part of the 21 actions I've um, created to help you create a life that you love, enjoy and are inspired by. And this is action number two about choosing your thoughts and feelings. So with any thoughts, what I, the three questions you ask yourself are one, is that thought an indisputable fact? And what we mean by that is, is that fact is, sorry, is that thought true? Like objectively, if it's a matter of opinion, that's not a fact. So is it true? Yes or no? As, as it relates to it being factually correct, objectively, most of the time you'll find that the thought can't be true because it's an opinion. For instance, I'm not good enough. There's no way we can say that that's true. That's not an indisputable fact. The next question is to look at how the thought makes you feel. Is this thought producing for you a, an emotion or feeling that makes you feel good? Or is it producing an emotion or feeling that makes you feel bad? Or it could be an emotion or feeling that makes you feel neutral. And then you want to look at whether the thought serves you. Is the thought serving you in some way? And I like to see this category and there can be many interpretations of all of these three questions, but this is my thought for you. This last point, whether the thought serves you, if there is any way that this, like, is the thought protecting you from stepping out of your comfort zone? Is the thought protecting you from making a fool of yourself? Is the thought stopping you from injuring yourself in some way? I don't know. Let's look at how the thought serves you because you'll realize that most of our thoughts do have some sort of service. Um, they're, they're not there to make us a bad person. A lot of them are there because simply they're coming from a place of fear, a place to protect us. But we need to decide whether the thought is really serving you. So I'll give you an example. This is to do with working. Back in the day when I worked in the corporate world, which really wasn't so long ago, I would constantly find myself thinking, I hate my job. I hate my job. I hate my job. So that thought was creating a very, very, very negative environment in my mind. It made me feel super anxious when I'd go to work. It would make me notice other things I didn't like about my work so that it was really the focus of my attention. It would make me feel sick in my stomach. I would feel sad going, angry, any emotion uh, on the negative side, I would experience. But it all changed for me when I learned about this process. And I think I learned it in an episode with Brooke Castillo from the Life Coach School podcast, which is a, an amazing resource. And she spoke about looking at whether that thought is an indisputable fact. She was applying the loving what is criteria and so with this particular example, was that thought an indisputable fact? No, because that's a matter of opinion. I hate my job. It's not indisputable. What could be an indisputable fact that relates to my job? 
I have a job. Yes. And do you see how just by simply changing that thought from I hate my job to I have a job then leaves a neutral emotion for me? Yes, I do have a job. And so that thought is far better than I hate my job. If I looked at whether the thought I hate my job serves me in any way, was it protecting me from anything that's legitimate? No, it wasn't. It wasn't serving me because it was only making me feel worse and it wasn't changing my reality. The whole concept of loving what is, is that when you accept your current circumstances and love them for what is, you feel a whole sense of relief because you're not fighting what is. So I could still go and look for another job. I could still go on my search to discover my purpose while still being in the job, but not making the situation worse by constantly thinking how much I hated this job, which was then making me feel terrible. And then from a law of attraction perspective was leaving me further trapped in my job because I wasn't able to attract experiences in my life that would bring about the positive feelings I truly wanted to feel. So it was not great at all. Okay, so if you wanted to think more about thought work, check out my action number two, which is part of the Create a Life That Is Beautiful blog and 21 week program. And you can start thinking about if you are detecting negative thoughts, how you can change it to one that is either neutral or positive. An example of the positive thought would be, I love my job. Or my job is giving me the opportunity to develop skills that I will be able to use in the future in a job that I truly love. Or my job is giving me the income to be able to explore my other interests. Positive. So we want our thoughts to uplift us, to motivate us to be able to take positive inspired action. Because our thoughts, the ones we respond to, do become our reality and they certainly attract experiences into our life or we simply become aware of experiences in our life that will validate the thoughts and feelings we're having. And that's law of attraction in a nutshell. So once we become conscious of our mind, we start to create little miracles. Because did you know a miracle is actually just a shift in perception. So you can look at the same thing, the same circumstance, the same experience, the same person. But if you use thought work to change the way you perceive that situation, that person, that issue, that experience, the way that you feel and thus your reality is completely different. It's that point where we simply view something different. And this, my friends, is all about mindset and thought work. Okay, so now let's bring this back to discovering purpose. So a major, major obstacle for all of us with anything in life and for discovering and showing up for a life of purpose, which is a full expression of all that is you, is something known as the upper limit problem. And this is a term, as I said, used by Gay Hendricks in his book, The Big Leap. It's an amazing book. I highly recommend everyone read it. 
but I'll give you an explanation in case you're not familiar with the upper limit problem. So this is the number one problem for every client I've worked with and myself and just about anyone you can ever think of because we all deal with this. So it's really important to understand. The upper limit problem is basically our internal limit for how much success in any and all aspects of your life that we believe we can experience. Whatever that limit is, it's our upper limit. And so when our level of success in life reaches this upper limit, taps it, we will do things to sabotage ourselves unconsciously so that we then drop back below our upper limit. So it's a form of self-sabotage that keeps us small and it's usually to do with deep held fears we have probably in our subconscious that we aren't even aware of about not being good enough, about not wanting to outshine the people around us, about things like believing more success could bring a bigger burden on us, about feeling fundamentally flawed, uh, about disloyalty and abandonment issues we've had. All of these really, really serious core beliefs that cause us to operate from our, from the subconscious, which is responsible for 95% of everything we do, and gets us to do things that seem ridiculous, like the upper limit problem and self-sabotage. But it's a real phenomenon. So some examples. We have received an incredible opportunity in our career. I'm saying we, but really, let, I'll say I. I've received an incredible opportunity in my career that will be a real game changer. Maybe I've asked to, be, to speak at an event, for example. So I'm super excited about this. I'm a little nervous as well, of course, because this is a form of expansion for me. And on the day of the event, I wake up with a terrible, and this might even be, actually this example might even be in the, in the book, The Big Leap itself, but I wake up with a terrible flu. I can barely move. There's no way I could do this talk today. So I think to myself, I'm sick. There's no way I can do this. I have to pull out. This is how Gay Hendricks describes the upper limit problem. It manifests in completely unexpected ways and causes us to then pull ourselves out from going over our upper limit. This, my friends, is an act of self-sabotage. We've got an amazing opportunity. The body or the subconscious is responding in a physical way that is causing us to stay within our limit. The upper limit problem can manifest in completely unexpected ways, like it could be picking a fight with a friend or a partner, creating an issue in another area of your life so you have to deal with that. It could be perfectionism. The list is endless, but the way you identify it is it is a form of self-sabotage that is happening when you're afraid because you're expanding and going beyond the internal upper limit that you have set for yourself unconsciously. And it will manifest in ridiculous ways that cause you to stay within that, that limit. So how does this relate to purpose? Well, when we set out to discover our purpose and we start to get some real clues as what that might be, or we, we know full bodied what our purpose now is. And so we start to take action and we need to show up for that purpose. You'll notice that the universe has a way of conspiring with you to make those dreams happen. 
things start to move quite quickly. And with all of this new momentum, we start to get scared of this expansion. And we might find that our upper limit problem kicks in and we act in ways to sabotage this momentum. We might decide to go out and have a big bender before the night of a big deal with a client. We might procrastinate. We might start to have perfectionist tendencies. It can manifest in many different ways. This happens with every single one of my clients. And it also happens in my own life every time I expand myself. Usually I'll be moving along beautifully flowing and then right before the event or the project is meant to be complete and launched or the time to finish something happens, I will experience something to try and self-sabotage me. And this is so significant to purpose because our purpose is all about what we love doing. It's our life's work. It's incredibly important to us. So we place a lot of pressure on ourselves. And this is the perfect grounds for the upper limit problem to present itself. So how does this relate to mindset? Well, we overcome the upper limit problem in the same way we overcome negative thought spirals. We need to become first aware of the self-sabotage. So just knowing that the upper limit problem as you expand and grow throughout your life is an inevitability means that when things happen, that are a result of the upper limit problem, you will be aware of them. We identify that this is an act of self-sabotage and expect these to happen. We take the action we were inspired to take anyway, but we also give ourselves tons of compassion for the way we're feeling. We acknowledge the fear. Yes, we are moving outside of our upper limit. We think our way through supportive thoughts, which create supportive feelings and inspire supportive actions. And through this, we increase our upper limit. Some examples of some supportive thoughts you can say to yourself as you go through something like this is, I've got this. Something I love to use with my clients is to tell yourself the facts. What are the facts of the situation? So for instance, you're about to launch a big project Well, I've created this project. It's going to help my clients do X, Y, Z. There's a gap in the market. There's a real need for this. I've got all of this experience to be able to talk on this topic. And the list goes on, whatever the facts are. Also, call on your support system. Call a friend, a family member, or get yourself a coach, someone like me who works on mindset, who you can contact when you go through this, who you can call on to call you out when you are doing something that is of disservice to yourself. Take some time to relax, to recenter, to ground yourself, to tune in. And another great suggestion is to write from your future self. What would a future you who has gone through this experience successfully, what would they tell you? You, What you've got to do is zoom out of the situation because you're freaking out. The other thing is writing to your intuition. And if you don't, if you aren't familiar with writing to your intuition, check out episode number six with Jess Lively and we go into that in great detail. So what happens when we do that, just like with our thought work, we experience a shift in perception. So we experience a miracle. And for that, awareness is everything. 
because how we perceive it is everything as well. Here's a couple of examples from my own journey. Before launching my website, which I launched in July 2017, I was working on that website for a number of months. Going along, you know, there were definitely times where my upper limit problem kicked in throughout that process of creating the website, even though I had a very clear vision of what I was doing. But right before launching, I was so focused on completing it, I freaked out right before launching, was ready to throw it all in. My perfectionist, my inner Virgo, which (laughs) rules my day-to-day work life at the moment, um, kicked in. And so I started to say, oh, well, it's not, it's not perfect. There's this problem. There's that problem. I started creating all these problems for myself, all to keep myself from launching the website. But the way I overcome that was to say to myself, okay, you've got a deadline. This is your deadline and you're going to have the website launched in whatever state it is on that date. And um, you can always improve things as you go along. Done is better than perfect, which is my mantra for a, um, I've struggled with perfection all of my life. This also happens before launching a product. So you might have a deadline so that you have a proper pre-launch period, for example, but then you find yourself leaving everything to the last minute, you're procrastinating. And so then that ruins the uh, proper launch that you'd have for the product. And then you don't have the expected result. With my clients, I see things manifest like this. We'll be going through the process. Things are going really amazing. They're experiencing a lot of change and growth. And then suddenly they'll have an issue to deal with that takes away all their attention and they lose the momentum. I've also experienced this myself. I've experienced a lot of growth in my business this year, which I was more than ready for and wanting, of course. But suddenly I became fixated on a particular topic. I need to get more clarity in in a particular area which set me off on a total distraction. This was simply the upper limit problem. And so what I had to do was recognize this distraction for what it is. Let go and surrender, feel the fear, and then choose to take the inspired action I had originally intended from a place of love, acceptance and compassion rather than from a place of fear. So ask yourself, is the action I'm taking coming from a place of love or a place of fear? With fear, it'll feel contracting. It's keeping you small. Is this keeping me small? Okay, so recap. You become the thoughts you take action from. You want to choose thoughts that make you feel the way you want to feel. The first step to change is awareness of your thoughts. We overcome the upper limit problem through awareness, just like our mindset. And I just want to leave you with a really beautiful quote, uh, which came from Dr. Jacob Lieberman's interview with Jess Lively on The Lively Show, all about purpose. He says, do what you love, love what you do, and the world will come to you. Essentially, what you feel moved by is what you've fallen in love with. It's what you know by heart. And what you know by heart is your purpose for being. And that is what you are here to do. Each of us has a different reason for being, and it's usually what we love to do.
I thought that was so beautiful and so consistent with the create a life that is beautiful philosophy. And so I really wanted to share it with you. It's end on a beautiful high note. Now, if anyone is listening to this and thinking, I could really, really, really use some help when it comes to my mindset and you feel like you resonate with the idea of having a coach and you enjoy listening to me and feel intuitively that you would like to explore working with me on a one-to-one basis, please do not hesitate to reach out and get in touch with me to organize a complimentary 30-minute call so that we can discuss what you're struggling with, what coaching with me would be like, and how we can support you going forward. Now, what's next? For me, I'm still in Sydney and I'm currently working on a very exciting project which uh, has to do with alcohol. As some of you know, I gave up alcohol for all of 2017 and it's something I've decided to continue with. I'm really interested in exploring alcohol and how it relates to consciousness. And so I'm working on a project that I will reveal more details of in the near future. And otherwise, I am just enjoying hanging out with family in Sydney and friends and everything that Sydney has to offer. You can find the show notes for this episode over at www.letisharange.com forward slash upper limit problem. And I just want to say thank you for all the people who are sharing the podcast. It's so wonderful. And if you haven't already rated and reviewed the podcast or shared it with anyone you think that might resonate, please do so. It helps us get the message out there. And the more people we have uh, living from a place of purpose, the more chance we have of seeing beautiful innovation in the world and the opportunity to celebrate in that innovation because it helps us all evolve. I also invite you to sign up for my weekly newsletter. As always, every week I share some further inspiration, tools and resources, including the podcast to help you on the journey of discovering and showing up for your purpose and creating a life you love, enjoy and are inspired by. You can subscribe over at www.letisharange.com and for daily inspiration, connect with me on Instagram at create a life that is beautiful and on Facebook at Letitia Ringe. I also letting you know that every week I'm also doing an Instagram or Facebook live, which will include expanding on some of the topics raised in the podcast episode from that Thursday. Okay, everyone, it was so wonderful to speak to you and I hope that this has helped and I look forward to our next episode next week, which will be another interview with an inspiring person to help you unlock your truth and purpose. Bye. 